What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Okay, welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today on the podcast, we welcome in Gene Fetty. Many of you already may know that name, but if you don't, uh, here's a couple things about him. He is the face of Kiko and does a lot of the glue pulling training, training videos for them. He runs the Marketing Minute Podcast and is the owner of a very successful PDR shop near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, welcome to the show, Gene. Corey, thanks for having me on today. So let's start where I start with every guest. How did your PDR journey start? So my PDR journey, uh, I'm going to start just before my PDR journey to set it all up. Uh, so uh, detailed cars, like just to make money because that beat the hell out of having a real job. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was sort of pushed to go to school. So I went to computer school uh, to get a bunch of certifications and, and work on networking and web design. And uh, fortunately... I, I finished that right when the dot com fell apart. <laughs> and uh, as I started my job search, uh, the best I could find was at uh, Comp USA for like $7 an hour. Mm. Like, this doesn't sound good. I will just keep detailing cars, right? <laughs> there, was, there was no competing, like, as a fresh out of school guy with all these people who were desperate. Uh, in the tech market with all kinds of experience like mm -hmm. why hire me when they can hire them mm -hmm. uh, so I went right back to detailing and uh, had my own shop and you know made okay money like it was again it, it beat the hell out of a real job um, but it wasn't something I wanted to do forever I never set out to be like a detailer by trade it was just a way to make a buck um, after doing that for a few years I was like okay it's time to time to do something real. I was married, uh, time to grow up and get a real career. And, uh, so I, I was like, well, I know the car business. And, and by this point I'm like operating systems behind, uh, on the computer side of things. So mm. I started looking at the vendors coming into the detail shop, right? The, the wheel guy, the, the touch up guy, the bumper guy, the glass guy. Uh, and of course like the PDR guy. And I, I started talking to him about their businesses and, and PDR sounded perfect. Like, pop some dents out, like go buy a gun case worth of tools. You never have to make another investment and yeah. you make great money. Like it was perfect. Easy. Uh, yeah, easy. Uh, so that was sort of like when I decided to uh, pursue PDR, um, the dent guy would have trained me, um, but he wanted like five grand. And at the time that might as well have been 50 grand because like, I didn't have it. There was no payment options with them. Uh, plus like another 1200 for tools. So it was just completely unattainable. Uh, found the paint bowl up in Michigan and uh, they had student loans. So I could learn how to do PDR for like $67 a month. I did have $67 a month in the budget. Uh, so the, sure enough, I went up there and, and they said, you know, sure thing in 30 days, uh, you'll be up and running. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. And, and I watched the dent guy like, doesn't take long to fix a door dang. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So a couple so, questions. Uh, who put, who pushed you to go to school? This is back like 
in your late teens or early twenties and your, your family was pushing yeah, you to go to school? Early twenties. Yeah. Family, my yeah. Uh, soon to be at the time, soon to be in-laws like, Hey, what are you going to do when you grow yeah. up? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no pressure, I'm but like, like I, I don't, yeah. Yeah. If you want to wear my yeah, daughter, hey, if you're going to marry. You... <laughs> <laughs> right. That was exactly yeah. it. Like, yeah, you better like do some real stuff and, you know, get a job and like pushed. Um, so that was why, like, yeah, I was still definitely in hardcore slacker mode at that point, though. Like, yeah, for sure. I just went because it was like what they told me to do, not because I wanted to do it. And you went to training for the the monthly bill or the uh, the uh, student loan training <laughs> in two thousand two. Is that what uh, it was? Yes, yes, 2002. exactly. So it's been it's been coming up on twenty years now. Um, I bet yeah. I bet the in laws yeah. are or have been or are proud at different points <laughs> from where yeah, you, where think, you are I now. I think they're. I think, I think they're pretty happy with where we're at. Yeah. yeah. So now yeah. you run, I mean, most of us that know you now obviously don't know that story. That's why I like hearing the the beginning. Cause we all started somewhere, right? I mean, we all see Gene on doing those crazy glue pulling repairs and doing the Kiko videos and think like, you know, a lot of times you forget that they started PDR at some point too, and, and thought they were going to buy a bag of tools and pop dents out for, you know, make it easy. Yeah. Um, so here we are now. So, uh, when did you get into the to the um, shop that you're in now? When did you start doing those real repairs? Like, talk about a little bit of the beginning of that. So, so again, I'm gonna rewind you a little bit yeah. there too, right? Like, just like everybody else, I started out started out on like the rock lots, you know, mm-hmm. like it's uh, literally nobody's gonna let you work on a nice car. Yes. Started there and and worked my way up, um, and I guess like through that that rock lot to wholesale journey. Uh, since you're such a big mindset guy, mm-hmm. um, like here's how I, here's like the biggest thing that led me to being able to um, fix big dents and, and like push myself farther was, uh, man, in the beginning, there were days I'd be done at 12 o'clock, right? Like there was just nothing else to do. Like I did my route, I did my stops, yeah. but there was always the, those cars that they would ask you to do, do and you didn't want to do them. But like those 12 o'clock days, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back and see Mike and I'm going to try that truck, right? And I might work on that truck for six hours or seven hours or come back and work on it for another day. Uh, but just would like go back and grind out those kind of repairs. Um, and really, I did that for probably the first nine or 10 years of my career. Like, obviously, I got better at, at fixing big dents and, sure. and faster at them. Uh, but the, the, the journey into retail and, and really big smash specialties yeah. started like 2012, 2013. Um, I would say like a la Sal Contreras, like yeah. seeing that Sal was doing these big dents and, and that, that stuff like that was possible. Um, and that there were people out there working direct to the public and not just to dealerships. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started there. Work through it, build up my retail business. Uh, and then in 2018, uh, we opened up our shop here in Pittsburgh. So we are about two and a half years into uh, physical shop ownership. Gotcha. Yeah. So long, long, long journey. Yeah, that's how I started too. I started in 2004 pushing for my dad, as a lot of people know that listened to me. And um, it was anything I could get. And it was never a name dealer. It was never a Ford dealer or a, or a Chevy dealer. It was, you know, 
Jordan Auto Sales or Cream Auto Sales on Fulton Avenue, which is our, our area where they all are. Everyone has that spot where there's that one road where they all, they all congregate. <laughs> and it was like, yes. I'd drive up there and be like, you know, let me fix that dent. And we're negotiated down to 80 bucks and then spend five hours on it. And, you know, it, it didn't look good, but I got 80 bucks out of it and I learned a heck of a lot. That's all that mattered. That's um, the way to do it. There's so many, like, I love to drive that home. That, that everybody wants to like start at the top and mm-hmm. get Paul Corden pricing on everything. Yeah. Like I'm all for selling for what you can sell it for, but man, you got to earn, you got to earn your right to charge that. Like yeah. you better be able to deliver and you're only going to learn to deliver by doing. By so. doing it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And that's a lot of things I talk to my clients about. It's like, where, where, where's, where is that? You have to actually do the dent repair first, but do you get those high prices while you're learning? And so it's a, it's that weird struggle. And so the way I've learned to define it is like setting expectations for your customers, whether that's a retail customer or a rock lock customer, um, and then delivering on those expectations or hopefully delivering past those expectations. That's always the goal. Like if you can sell the deal to the guy, you know, on the rock lot and say, Hey, I get this thing 50% and you get it to 75%, then you're learning and you're getting right. paid to, to do it. That's the biggest thing you can, you can ask for when you're going on that journey. Cause learning how to do, how, how to do that smash repair, um, is tough and doing it at, you know, you're not going to get a thousand dollars to do those things when you can make them 80%, hundred percent agree with you. Right. Yep. Um, so at some point your business turned, we, you and I've talked about this a little bit, um, off the podcast, but at some point it turned, um, whether I was right around the, you were doing the wholesale dealer, um, lots and you were trying to get into retail and you were looking at people like Sal and other people in the business about what was possible. What made, what helped make that change and, uh, and getting more into retail. So like really opening up the, the mindset to that it is possible. So, right. Like, so Sal, was one of the first people I saw, but then, you know, like we're both podcasters uh, and Keith and Shane Mm -hmm. led the way with, with podcasting in the space. And, and they really uh, drove home even further what was possible uh, with retail, Mm -hmm. right? Like the, the fact that there were technicians out there that had built entire or or almost entire uh, PDR businesses working just directly with the public, mm-hmm. right? They weren't, they weren't beholden to the, to the dealers. Like that was a huge uh, mindset shift just to like realize that it was a thing. hundred mm-hmm. percent agree with you. Yeah. And so you started doing it. And so how, yeah. how did that start? I mean, did you, did you build a website back then or did you just start, like, how do you start for all those guys that are in that, that weird transition time where they're like doing some hail, doing some wholesale, maybe a body shop or two, like, how do you get that first retail customer? Yeah. So the first, the first start really was like build a website. Yeah. Uh, I think, I guess your tech background helped with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The tech, the, right, <laughs> like I think I'm on like my sixth version of the website, <laughs> but yeah, I built the first few myself because I had that, like, I don't recommend that, but right. I had gone to school for it. Right. So I had sure. a, you know, back Decent. in the day I had yeah. a certified internet webmaster, uh, certification. Like mm-hmm. I could code a website by hand back in the day. If I had to, I don't think I could do it to save my soul now, <laughs> but, uh, back in the day I knew, I knew the code. Um, so yeah, we started there, uh, put like the most rudimentary Google AdWords campaign mm-hmm. ever together. Um, 
and then just started putting out a little like slivers 20 bucks a month of yeah right, Google ads. Yeah, right? <laughs> like it was but they were cheaper back then too. yeah true true um but yeah so like just started doing that uh and then it probably took man i bet a year and a half uh or so for my website to crawl its way up uh to its peak at its peak i owned like six of the ten spots mm-hmm on the first page of Google uh, in Pittsburgh here. Uh, there's too much competition now. Or there's more competition. There's never too yeah, much. Not too much, there's, yeah. There's, yeah, there's more competition now. Uh, so it's, it's impossible or virtually impossible to own that whole page yeah. anymore. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where it started was a website and, and reaching out to it. Um, and from there, it was like growing the business. Like I... I Finally found a good hire. Uh, Louie is still with me, my right-hand guy. Uh, like, I think he's been with me for coming up on seven years now. Uh, letting him, working him into the wholesale side and, and going out and chasing the, the retail customers and asking for reviews and getting reviews and building more content. And, and like, it was a slow build. 100%. Yeah. So like when, while you're doing that, you said slow building. Um, I know that you've talked about mindset a couple of times. I'm big on it. What was the biggest struggle in that? And how were you able to overcome doing that building process? Cause there's a lot of guys, especially people that I work with that are in that area and they just don't know like where to put their focus on and what's going to be the, give them the best return for their investment. So what was your biggest struggle in that time? And then how did you help get past that struggle to get to where you are today? So the biggest, so the biggest struggle and how I got past them are two different things. So let's talk about the biggest struggle. There you first. Go. Uh, so the biggest struggle honestly was uh, in trying to, uh, you guys can't see us because it's an audio podcast, but air quotes grow a real business Yeah. Uh, was, was like, I don't call it taking a step backwards. Uh, I call it more like, crouching back into like a, a sprinter's stance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I had to go backwards, but like going backwards, knowing that I was going to make a leap forwards uh, with that. Uh, the hardest thing, like I can still picture it was I knew uh, it was a Thursday. It's Whiteside Chevrolet. And it was right. Like heavy transition time. I knew I was sending Louie out and he had a really great shot at making a thousand bucks that day. Right. And I had one $200 retail job on the books. So like the technician side of me was like, man, I should go do the thousand dollar job and then go do the $200 job and, and keep it all. The, the mindset that, that I had to force myself to take though, was like a business owner can't think that way. I need to let him go and make the thousand bucks and make my percentage off of him. And I have to go, knock the socks off of this $200 car so I can get, you know, hopefully some before and after pictures or video and hopefully get a review and, and begin building that little snowball that'll turn into a big snowball as it comes down the mountain and like being willing to step back and take it on the chin a little bit in order to move forward and grow. Like that was, that was a huge, huge stumbling block, setback, roadblock, whatever you want to call it uh working to get through that the best thing i ever did for my business probably right around and in fact certainly right around that whole scene like let's call it a two-year start to heavy retail yeah um keith cosentino 
uh, from PDR College and a, a competitor of yours. Yep. Um, and offered and up, somewhat of a friend. Uh, We've like talked several you, times. <laughs> yeah, that's Keith is a, a super guy. I consider yeah. him a, a great, great friend. We don't talk nearly enough, but mm-hmm. like honestly, I love him like a brother. And was he was absolutely pivotal in my career. Um, anyways, he he had offered up a few business coaching uh, spots. And I would like, I had heard of coaching, but I'd never had a coach before. And like, I had no idea what it cost or anything, but I reached out and I'm like, Hey, I think I might need slash want some help. And, and like, I respected Keith from the Dorting days, mm-hmm. uh, like way back in the day, Dorting.com. That may have even predated you. No, I, know, um, yeah. I was not. So I know said, a lot about it. So he, yeah. So, so he called me out. He had like a form. We filled it out and, uh, He's like, man, I'm not happy with your numbers. I know you can do a whole lot more. And then he dropped the bombshell on me that was the cost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. And I don't, like, I'm not afraid to say what I paid. And he doesn't offer it anymore. So I don't even, like, and it's been so many years. But he hit me with a, it was 5000 bucks for 12 weeks, uh, one hour a week. So I'm like, man, that's like, yeah, I do the quick math. Yeah, yeah, boom, boom. That's over, that's over $400 an hour. I don't, like. And I'm like, you know what, though, like I went and talked to my wife and I had already seen some progress. I'm like, you know what, like, let's just like make an investment. It's going to be the biggest single investment we've made into the company since we started the company. And I can tell you for sure, it was the best $5,000 I've ever spent probably in my whole life. Um, Why? Certainly on on the business side of my life. Man, it was like a like if we could look at a growth chart like you're just you're stumbling up and down and like the biggest thing is it basically bought me years of experience for pennies on the dollar right it, it fast forwarded me um so far uh it, it propelled the business uh it forced me to create content. It built out a roadmap for where to go. And, and it wasn't like a roadmap that people were guessing on. Keith had already built that kind of business. So like, I basically just had to follow in his footsteps and, and do exactly what he did. Like he did it. And I was there. And then the accountability that that brought, like our call was at 12 Eastern every Monday, bet your ass. If I didn't get my stuff done, Mm -hmm. Sunday night, I stayed up and did whatever I had to do to make sure that I didn't let myself down and I didn't look bad in front of Keith on that Monday. And man, like that, that having that coach to, to hold you accountable and give you a roadmap was just priceless. And to this day, uh, I, my new business coach is Becky. Uh, she's been coaching me for, uh, you know, three or four years now, mm-hmm. um, a local, local coach here man and and being it's in mastermind groups uh having a mastermind group now mm-hmm. uh it's the that that part of self self help and self growth uh i wish i would have known about it 20 years ago i could be retired by now <laughs> 100% agree with you i i love i love how you how you laid all that out to go back to the very beginning what you said before that that technician mind when you're switching to to the business owner mindset is something that everybody's always going to struggle with i'm sitting here on a tuesday at nine o'clock for me. And typically I'm always fixing dents, but as I build out my coaching business, it's really hard for me to not go make income today 
versus trying to help build something that can help the industry and help me down the road. So that's the first thing is that everybody will always struggle with that with that when you're transitioning, whether you're hiring somebody and have to give them some of that money first before you get it, or whether you're going into a retail shop and, and less mobile or whatever, it's always going to be an issue. And I think that having the coach can definitely help, help you through that. So um, a question that I get a lot and maybe something that you can help other people with is you knew everything that you were supposed to do. You were staying up on Sunday night to get it done for Monday when you had a coach. Why didn't you just do that yourself? Why do you need somebody else to help you? I, I think that's just like most people are not self-starters. In fact, in all the people I've helped and, you know, I've done some coaching myself. Yep. Like I've honest to God only had one student that is a, that is a 100% self-starter motivated. Like if we could clone him or if we could download his brain, uh, like do it in a second. And that's Jack Bucknell. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Like, man, if you just like, guys, if you're not sure who Jack Bucknell is, he's Sioux Mm -hmm. Paul Dent Repair. Um, Go follow that dude. Corey, you should get Jack on the podcast. If you want to talk about like, get it done mindset, hardcore dude, Jack is just on fire. But most people, myself included, are not wired that way. Right. It is, it is difficult to stay motivated. And the, it's almost in fact, it probably is worth the price of admission having a coach just for the accountability. For the Nothing account. else, just if they just held you accountable, right? Like that will push you so far and so hard to get things done. Um, and for, man, yeah, for some uh, reason, we're so much more accountable to other people than we are to ourselves, which is a fascinating uh, conundrum of the human brain. <laughs> exactly. It's like you think of that, exactly. you would think of that. You, you would be able to be accountable to yourself more than other people. But for some reason built it's built into, you don't want to let other people down versus if you can try to train yourself to not want to let yourself down, then maybe you'll be able to stay up on Sunday night and get those things done on Monday. But it's very, very difficult skill to acquire hundred um, yeah. percent. And then also like, you know, firing in the dark too, I think is, is a big deal. Cause you were saying you were making that transition and just like having somebody who's been there, having somebody who's done it before, at least tried all those things and be like, here's what worked for me. Here's what could work for you. is just like, gives you so much more confidence going into like running Google AdWords or doing, or going those directions. Cause you feel like there might be light at the end of the tunnel instead of running that direction thinking like, I have no idea if this is going to work. Exactly. Yeah. No, having, having somebody who can give you a map, can just be absolutely priceless. Like it's a, uh, I assure you, right? 18 years in, if I left Pittsburgh, if I shut everything down at Dent Repair now, and I moved to any town USA, and I started a new PDR company, like what's that gonna look like? Like the start of Dent Repair now, that wasn't even Dent Repair now back in the day, mm-hmm. right? Compared to like Dent Repair now 2.0 in any town USA, like there's, if you can just buy that experience, write the check. There's yeah. no quite like write the check and, and buy your way, buy your way to the top or buy your way up, up the ladder. Yeah. hundred percent. It's not that, it's not that you can't do it yourself. It's just that when you have someone on your side for accountability and direction, then you can take that five years and condense it into five months or whatever right. those numbers are. And that's, that's where the value comes from. Well, let's look at like, let's just rewind and like, like skip off the coaching. If I go back to how I started PDR, yeah, right. And Mm -hmm. I went to a five day class for Mm -hmm. $67 a month for, you know, 
I don't even know. It's long been paid off, but it was probably sixty-seven dollars a month for ten years, right? Yeah. Ten grand, not not five. Yeah, right. Uh, the the learning curve there, like it was basically a you'll figure it out on your own. So year one, like it took me. I, I joke with my customers, but it's actually pretty serious. It took me a year to suck, right? Like to suck took a year. And like to be okay took two and to be any kind of good took five. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember my first year, like I didn't make anything like single digit thousands at best. And then like while you were detailing cars. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually I left the detail shop Ah, and took a job delivering pizzas to, to commit to PDR. Like it was a, I'm a, I'm a burn the bridges guy or burn the boats kind of guy. Like I burned the boat. And it was like, man, you don't want to deliver pizzas forever. So if I wasn't delivering pizzas, I was at my mom's in the garage on a hood practice. Interesting. Awesome. Um, if, if I would have fucked up and busted my ass and come up with the, the five grand and 1200 bucks for tools and had a, a mentor mm-hmm. one-on-one, mm-hmm. man, if he could have got me to that six figure point ahead of, it was, Man, honest to goodness, struggling on my own, trying to figure it out. I bet it was year four or five before I broke six digits. Yeah. Like, and there's no reason that if I had a mentor, I couldn't have been there at year two, mm-hmm. right? Like year one, you're learning, but year two, like how much did it cost me to do it on my own? How much till does it still cost me today to have not done it on my own back then? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, right? that's like that's a... Yeah, the same thing with the business coaching and the and the debt repair training. Like you can learn to do debt repair on completely on your own without watching yes. anything. Like I mean, my dad did it in 1990. So right. I mean, people do it, but it took them seven years to probably be as good as techs are now in the first six months. And so yes. you get you know versus like so you get the training, you buy the debt repair training, you sign up for the debt repair training websites, you go all in on that, and spend the ten or fifteen or twenty grand if you want to go to advanced training elsewhere to reduce that time down from four years to one or to two or whatever. Yep. And that's where the value yeah. is in that for sure. hundred percent. So that's it. So I really like to, to like compare those two together. Like everybody in this business understands how hard it was to learn. Yeah. And even if we look, we look at the guys now that like we know went to a Mike Toledo and had one-on-one training or a Marty Rutmeck or like they went the hardcore route instead of the, the training mill route. Yep. And look at where they are, how fast, like there's two and three year texts. Crazy dude. That blow my mind with what they're putting out uh, me. <laughs> compared to, compared to like, you know, me at five or six or seven years to get to that same point, like ridiculous. Same thing. My business growth before I had Keith coach me compared to after I had Keith coach me, like there's no comparison mm-hmm. that, that is like just some of the best money you could spend mm-hmm. to grow your business. If you can, if you can latch onto a coach and they can teach you and walk you down that path and like hold you accountable and give you the map, dude, it's priceless. That's it's absolutely that's, priceless. Totally agree with you. And there's, there's a market for it. I know there are, it's funny cause there are coaches, the more now that I've gotten into this space so much more that most of the guys, well, I don't know if I should say most, a lot of the guys that we look up to in the industry as, you know, leaders or like the Keith and the Shanes and you and Don Kavanaugh and, um, you know, pick a, pick a name that we, that we can 
name off the top of our head, most of them have done some version of mentoring or coaching. <laughs> yep. You know, because, and that's why I think this industry is fantastic. My kids are knocking on the door. Um, that's why I think this industry, okay, <laughs> this industry is fantastic because a lot, so many people turn around and help the next people. Because I think overall, what we want from this industry is this industry to be great. And we know if we can turn around and help other people get there faster, then the industry will be greater faster. And especially if we can Absolutely. teach them all of the things that we've learned about, maybe how to price, how to sell, how to create value, all like how to do the debt repair correctly with all the training that's out there, I think is, is what makes this industry unique. Um, and why, why we keep on continually growing. Um, I do want to come back to that about kind of the future of what you think PDR looks like, but, um, appreciate you saying that. I'm glad, I'm glad that you made that leap and hired, hired somebody. I did that too. And it's always going to be uncomfortable because it's always a lot of money <laughs> for a potentially unknown right. return. So I get it. And I've been in your yes. position. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> When people think of Gene Fetty now, at least for me, uh, the way I perceive it is they think of like the glue pulling guy, right? Like the Kiko glue pulling guy. How, sure. did, how did that happen? At what point in the journey did you become that? <laughs> okay. So, so, these, so these big smashes are hard on the body, right? Like, like without a doubt, you have a finite career of, of moving smash metal. Yeah. Maybe Sal is a, is a different story, but like he takes way too much stuff apart and I'm just not that patient. And I don't and think he, like Sal. Yes. He takes stuff apart so. and he takes his time he's like very methodical about it. And he doesn't think he puts his yeah. body through the food, through the ringer every day to try to get to this dent and then to the next dent and then to the body shop. <laughs> yeah. I'm not wired that way. So yeah. I over push it and overdo it. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been like, PDR is a great space. Like I, I could not, I could not ask for a better industry to be a part of, to have uh, received so much from. Uh, and I just hope that like I can give back some of what I've taken mm -hmm. from this space. Um, but as I grow uh, and realize just how small the, the PDR space is uh, career wise, like I was looking to make a move into something bigger. Uh, I had a local shop here that uh, we don't service the, the guy who might think I wanted five grand services them, but I'm friends with them. Louie's wife runs a shop for them. Um, and they were looking for advice on, on buying some glue pulling stuff as, as glue pulling uh, becomes a true bridge where, where PDR and, and body shop can overlap and, mm -hmm. and share a skill set. Um, yeah, they were coming to me for advice and, you know, like, Hey, what, what should we look at? And, I was pushing him to Kiko uh, well before Kiko ever sent me any kind of check um, and, and talking to him and buy it. And then they reached out and they said, Hey, we're going to a training uh, on the other side of the state. We're sending a few guys over. Uh, and I was like, it was just a light bulb moment for me. Like, wait a minute, like these body shops are looking to learn how to do this. Like, I love to teach. Let me start looking into it. And uh, I started trying to build my own little glue pull repair training company or little business. Like mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, I can start doing this. So I reached out to Keith about wholesaling some black Lake stuff and Carl Stuckey for some of his lights and even Kiko uh, about like becoming a reseller for them or something. And I sort of got like, uh, not fluffed away, but sort of like, eh, we normally only sell to tool companies, like not individuals, go away mm -hmm. was but I'm, I'm like 
just too stubborn to do that. But I'm like, you know what? I'll just, I'll keep driving through it and try to put it together. Uh, it was MTE of 17, I think. 18. I don't know. I'm losing my years. It, like, yeah, it must have right. been MTE of 18. It doesn't matter. So I went to the Kiko booth and, and I started talking to uh, Tim Fisher, who was a business director, business developer for them. I was no longer with the company. Um, sort of told him like, hey, I, I want to build something where we can teach body shops and, and so on and so forth. And uh, eventually we got together and we had set up a meeting for uh, March of, uh, this was March of 19. It doesn't matter. To sit down and talk, he was coming to Pittsburgh to uh, work at a body shop with, with a distributor. And I'm like, well, let's, let's have dinner. Let's talk about it and, and see. Uh, as luck would have it, um, or fate, or a little combination of the two or the universe, uh, I went to the Hale Seminar in St. Louis on uh, that same year. So that was like February, early March. And uh, Chris White, the owner of Kiko, is presenting, and I'm presenting as well. And uh, Dave Shalott, uh, another trainer for Kiko, says, hey, you should really pay attention to what Chris is going to talk on today. And uh, so I'm like, well, I'll make sure I don't miss Chris's presentation. I sit up there. And Chris is launching uh, a program back then uh, called the Kiko Core, uh, where basically they were looking to, to work with some PDR guys to help Kiko move into the body shop space. And uh, I didn't love everything he had to say about it, but we were on the same page with like some vision. And uh, later that night at the bar, right? Because it's a PDR event. Everybody's got to go to the bar and have <laughs> some drinks. Uh, I see I'm, I'm, making a trip to the to the restroom and i see dave shallot who i'm friends with sitting there with chris white who i don't know and uh, i walk over i'm like hey dave you gonna introduce me to your buddy chris here and sure enough we we uh talked and i think uh i think i told him exactly how i felt about it all and and didn't like some of his stuff that he was talking about but loved other parts and and really wanted to work with him and uh went back the next day after we were done at the bar you know like after my presentation and I went up and I said, Hey, Chris, uh, just so you know, like that wasn't like beer talking or anything last night. Like we had a good time and did shots together. Like it was a great time. I said, but just so you know, in all seriousness, I am very interested in pursuing this. Uh, I'm sort of like trying to do something on my own, but if you guys got a program, like why reinvent the wheel? And, uh, we messaged back and forth a little bit and he said, Hey, you know what? We're doing a, a 10th anniversary, party at Kiko headquarters in Oklahoma city. I would love to have you come as my guest. If you get here, you know, you're, you come on in. And, uh, I called my wife. I said, I said, Hey babe, like I'm getting tickets to Oklahoma city. I'm going to go make this happen and jumped on a plane and went out to what may have been the, the first official Kiko blue pool repair training event in Oklahoma city. Uh, Jonathan came in from Belgium, uh, Dave Shalott, took the stage and the two of them were teaching uh i just sort of jumped in like when they went to the live work and started working on a little dorting stuff with some body men and sort of the rest is uh <laughs> is history or is is being written as history currently right interesting wow i did not know most of that story so that's really cool you said something in there that you said that you reached out to all these people to kind of create your own training video once you started seeing the effects that loophole could have 
And you said it was your stubbornness that got you, that kept you going when everyone was telling you no. Um, and I think that's interesting because I don't, I don't think it was a stubbornness. I think it was partly your mindset, um, partly the fact that you had a big why of what you were trying to accomplish in your business outside of just physically fixing dents. And I think those are the thing, those are the little pivotal moments in our lives that make a big difference is that when there's a lot of times when people tell us no and like, what are you going to do when people tell you no to, to overcome that and continue forward anyways? Um, you had anything to, anything to say specifically about that? Yeah. So I guess I like, like the default, like I'm kind of a smart ass mm -hmm. by trade. Like that's yeah. just, I'm a cynical 100%. guy. I love it. And it's all, and it's all in fun and, and joking and mm -hmm. love. Like I mean, nothing by it. Uh, but when I say like, it's my stubbornness, like that's just sort of like a, like a, a yes. pushing it off my shoulder kind of thing. Right. Uh, no, like tenacity is, is so important. Mm -hmm. Like when you go after something, like you just have to go like it, the, the, the old, like, you don't quit when you're tired. Like you quit when you're done. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Like I've just, I've got a, I've got a, a work ethic that, that when I set my sights on something and I'm going after it, like I just won't quit. And, and that's like, that's really it is like, just and when go after it. And I don't care if it's a, uh, no, I, I, I don't care if it's like going after a dent like mm. if i'm gonna fix that dent like i am i will lay it all out i will stay as late as i gotta stay i'll come back tomorrow like it doesn't matter like there's just like there's no quit in me like if you can just teach yourself not to have quit you're solid i've got friends with a lot of quit like as soon as something pushes back or there's a little bit of like a little bump in the road they're like oh no i'm out and i'm like dude get the hell out of my way like let's just make it happen and go do it and, and that's just like that's just how I'm wired. Like it's uh my dad was wired that way. My father-in-law's the same kind of way. Like I think it's just sort of an old school hardcore mentality. Like I just I just can't quit. I, I agree with you, and I think that some people, and I feel the same way, and especially coming a lot from my dad, um, is that way. But I, I do think that some people have that as I guess a gift or, or, a, or a personality trait inside of them, but it is 100% something that can be learned and that you can teach yourself. It is a skill set. Some people start out with a little bit better of a skill set on that, but it can 100% become a skill set. If you don't have that now, you can definitely become that person who does that. And when, when you create an idea and you go out to put it into the world and people tell you, no, 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 you can still move forward with it because you believe in it so much. I mean, that's how big things are created. I mean, that's how, when you look back, that's how this entire industry was created. When you go back from people creating all the tools we created or Keith paving the way for podcasts, like there's no reason why he should have done a podcast. No one in PDR was listening to podcasts, you know, and, and all those different right. types of things that, that when people say like, mm, I'm not sure about that, that you're like, I believe this is going to work and I'm going to go do it anyways. And I think that's an important thing. Um, for people to be able to to work on it absolutely is and it's a it is a learnable trait i was not always i was not always wired that way uh i didn't even find like my competitive spirit until i was like 18 or 19 maybe 20 uh before that fire really got lit um man like i'm not sure exactly how to learn it but if you can learn it learn it like maybe i need a, a coach to teach it's, me 
I think uh, it's like dairy butter. You learn like, by doing if it. You, if you can, if you can teach that, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like dairy That's how I you used learn, to you like. It's it's like anything. I remember when uh, when John Hiley and Mike Delito pushed me to get up on stage and teach uh, a class at MTE. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like I can still picture like twenty people in the room, and Daniel Grom was sitting in the front row <laughs> to the left, and he was the only friendly face that I recognized. Man, I got through my whole twenty minute presentation directly to Daniel in about two and a half minutes. <laughs> it's uh like it was it was it was terrible like the room was getting black the 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 mm-hmm. sides were coming in um but like I, I put myself out there and got it done and now i am like happy to jump up in front of hundreds of people and talk about anything you want to talk about um melissa's like that's my wife melissa's like don't give him a microphone you won't get it back uh but like I learned by doing, I hated public speaking in school. I hated public speaking when John and Mike made me get up on the stage. And now like, it just fuels me. Like I just, it, I feed off the energy. I'll be spent when I'm done. Like I'm an introvert. I'm perfectly happy to sit in the shop by myself and work a dent by myself and don't talk to me. And I'm like, that's a happy place. Mm-hmm. But that energy that, that you can feed off, feed off of in front of a room uh, is just like unbelievable. I'm, and that I'm con- was a learned skill as well. For sure, 100%. Um, I'm convinced that, and this is something I talk to my clients about a lot, that m- most of the things that are good in our life or most of the things that are going to bring us the biggest fulfillment or, or growth are on the other side of that, of that fearful phase. Because I've noticed this in my own life when, I, when you come up to something, the reason the fear is there is because it's outside of your comfort zone and that's where you're growing, right? So if you already knew how to do it, then it wouldn't be scary to you. So you can relate it back to dent repair. Again, if you can fix a four inch dent in a door, it's not scary to you. But when you tell the customer, yes, I will make this dent perfect, a six or eight inch dent on aluminum hood through a body line, then you rise to the occasion or you tell yes to John or Mike, I'll go up on stage and do that presentation. You rise to the occasion. So I think that when you bump up to those fearful things, I don't think that should, that should, the mindset that I want to see be able to shift in people is when you run up to that fearful thing, you say, okay, I see what's happening. My brain is trying to tell me don't grow, stay in the shop, stay in the shop and do the dance or stay in your cave and don't go venture outside of it. But that's where the best part of life is. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, like stepping outside of your comfort zone and making those hard pushes and those leaps like you just gotta like just go for it like that's a yeah that's a mindset that has served me very well i'm sure it has given melissa plenty of gray hairs (laughs) yeah but uh that's just how i'm wired like (laughs) like jump all in and go do it burn the boats uh you know so there's like it's either succeed or die uh and like you just go for it yeah. And that comes from a, um, I don't know it. I could probably look it up and maybe I'll put it in the show notes, but a famous war general of, of some sort or something where they, sh- they, they sailed across yeah, the ocean Sun Tzu, or something. Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Okay. The art of, yeah. I believe gotcha. Sun Tzu. I think it's the art of war is where that comes from. Gotcha. Yeah. So they go to the, to the Island and they're going to fight and the general turns around and burns all the boat and says, we either die or win <laughs> basically. That's um, it. That's exactly it. So I said no, I'd come like you take failure off the table. Mm-hmm. 
I said I'd, I'd come back around and talk about like the current state of our industry and where you think it's heading. I think that 30 years, roughly 30 years into this industry, I say 30 because a lot of people that originally started in the US were probably about 1990, 1991. I think we're just starting, honestly. I think the beginning of PDR is almost now or a second beginning. And I think the growth over the next three to five years is going to be huge. Do you have anything to say about that or any thoughts on what you think the future of PDR looks like? Uh, so like the popular mantra would be, there's too many guys already and it's a saturated market and you shouldn't get into the business. So I am not of that mindset. Uh, the, and I, Corey, I know we have talked about this. The biggest problem with PDR currently is that the general public does not know we exist, right? 99% of the customers I interact with are retail customers now. And 95% of those customers have never used PDR, didn't know it was an option until like somebody told them about it or they got a dent and they started to seek us out. Um, That snowball continues to grow. Uh, I think the next uh, big move is definitely retail work. Uh, It's a different business than wholesale or hail, like make no mistake. Uh, But as retail is legitimized uh retail insurance big smash work is legitimized uh brick and mortar shops as as they've become continue to become a thing uh become legitimized that is where the 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 industry is going uh as mainstream america uh, becomes more mainstream world really becomes more aware of PDR and what PDR can do and high level PDR is even better than that. Um, man, I think the, the sky is the limit, uh, on the technician side of things, uh, for sure. I 100% agree with you. And I talked to people, I talked to someone yesterday. There's, <laughs> there are still large markets and by large market, I would say an area where you can drive an hour each direction, North, South, East, West, and have a population of several hundred thousand people where there is not a dent guy, like a real legitimate online advertising can do high repairs, high level repairs can fix smashes. There are still segment, a lot of areas in Texas. I talked to somebody yesterday has never heard of a dent guy. Their body shop doesn't use a dent guy. He works at a body shop. He's now in training to become a dent guy because there's no one in his market. I think in five years from now, there's no one's gonna be able to say that. Right, but they're, right, there are still markets like that. There are mm-hmm. still, even here, so Pittsburgh, you know, a population of 1.2, 1.4 million in this mm-hmm. metro market, right? There are three or four of us, really, mm-hmm. that are splitting that population up. Yeah. Um, like, and, and like the way I'll tell you that if you, if you just don't believe that, that the growth potential is there, go walk into any body shop and look at the cars that are there for the repair, uh, cars that are in process of repair, and look at how many of those dents that aren't even severe that we no doubtedly could do incredible paintless repairs on that are in there being painted conventionally. Like there is more work out there than we could ever handle. We need to come together more as an industry and get our voices heard that, that we are out here and we should be a viable option uh, and, and direct the public more to us. Uh, even today, like with our average ticket uh, at the shop, our average retail ticket, we're still below 
the average uh, uh, insurance deductible here of five hundred dollars. Like, there's so much work going out there that 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 is not being done. Like, we just need to get the word out about PDR. That's 100%. that's what. This, industry needs to do today. Yeah, I threw this up, up on Instagram the other day and some people agreed with me, some people didn't, but um, it was basically, I, I feel the exact same way as you. I said, walk to the body shop and look at what you can do um, and then tell me there's not enough business for, for tens of thousands of more high-level PDR technicians. And so I broke down the math roughly. Let's say that the collision industry is a $35 billion industry in the US. Let's say 20% of the stuff that goes into there can be PDRable to a perfect level or perfectly acceptable that someone's not going to pay, you know, a thousand dollars or their insurance deductible to send it through a body shop. Like there's a little paint missing or something. The 20, 20% of 35 billion is 7 billion. And if an average technician can do like about a hundred or $200,000 a year, then we're talking about like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 more technicians needed just to capture that business from the collision industry. Absolutely crazy absolutely and there's only like my best guess like just doing like logical thinking i really don't think that there's more than fifteen thousand active good technicians in the country i think it's less than that hail, hail and retail yeah wow. yeah that's that's i really believe that that's the number yeah, but but the yeah the number that a lot of us feel is like fifty thousand, but thirty five thousand of them don't make more than twenty grand a year doing that or something, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. yeah, but they're like real deal dent technicians. Yeah. Anyways, man, well, I appreciate it. I yeah, love all your sure. thoughts. I hope this helps a lot of people. Um, just to wrap things up a little bit, um, for those of you that haven't heard. The opportunity of a lifetime is available from Gene Fetty currently. He is, uh, wants to move on to a little bit of different, bigger and better things, but still keep his PDR business. And you're actually looking for somebody to join you in Pittsburgh to what? Run your shop, do all the PDR. What's the, what's the goal there? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're looking for a higher level tech, uh, somebody that can do some smash work. Like you don't need to be world class. You need to be good. Um, yeah, lots of lots of direct uh, retail business. Uh, we've got a salesperson in place, so it's not even a whole lot of selling. Like it's a more put your head down and fix cars and make great money kind of deal. So that's uh, yes. If you are at all interested, not newbies, don't be green. I don't want to teach anybody. I will teach you how to make better dents or big dents better, but I don't want to teach you how to find your tips. So if you suck at dents, don't call me. Uh, but you can get me. Uh, through our website, it's dentrepairnow.com or email me gene at dentrepairnow.com. Uh, if you're at all interested or, or would like to think about it, um, would love to talk to you about it. At least talk, man. It doesn't hurt to talk for sure. So what's the, what's the future plan? No, Jenny? no, that's it. And I love to talk. hundred percent. Yeah, I can tell. Um, what are the future plans with, um, with you then? If you're not going to be fixing dents every day, what are you, what are you planning on, on doing next? Uh, so, so when I make the hire that there replaces me as a technician in the business, uh, that's going to open up two, uh, two levels of opportunity for me. First is to work on growing dent repair now as a business, um, and driving more work in, uh, as, as good as I am at marketing, uh, it's hard to be good at dents and work all day doing dents and have a wife and two awesome kids at home like and still be a family man and take the boat out on the weekends and enjoy life 
I, I can't do it all. Like I'm just not Superman. Uh, I am not Jack Buck now. Um, well, let me grow that. And also the, the direction I'm headed with, with Kiko and loophole repair uh, really excites me. I see a tremendous amount of growth there. Uh, and again, I, I can't put a, a good thinking hat on and, and take good action there while trying to push dents and market a business and run employees all at the same time. So it's going to, it's going to open up two avenues there uh, for me to, uh, to really concentrate on. That's awesome. I think you're thinking higher level stuff too, <clears throat> obviously growing that working on the business instead of in it. And then that's one half. And the other half is actually um, making this industry more well-known and, and making this industry greater, which I think that's, those are the things and the people that's going to take to, like, I think what you're, you're going to be doing will actually help potentially help everybody across the entire country of like what is possible with debt repair and that debt repair actually exists. So I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's, that's one of the big side goals. Yeah, for sure. If you have anything else to share with us, um, then, then we're open to hear it, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast and I really think this is going to help a lot of people. Well, the the last parting gift I would leave is if you haven't checked out my podcast uh full disclosure i am not currently podcasting i have not put out any episodes in a few months now however there are still well over a hundred episodes completely for free full of marketing tips quick marketing tips uh at uh, pdrmarketingminute.com so little shameless plug there uh go go scoop up some knowledge there's there's plenty of episodes on there and if i ever fire it back up Corey, i'll have you on all right. I'm excited. <laughs> That's actually how we originally connected. I, yeah, I pitched you at MTE to get on it, your podcast. It is. It Here is. we are. The other way around. <laughs> yes. Beautiful thing. Hey, that's, that's how it works. Listen, I, I, I paid Keith to coach me and then Keith paid me to talk at his event and hosted my podcast on his podcast. <laughs> so the, the world is a, a, a give and take kind of place. hundred percent. I appreciate you coming on. Give us some time today, man. Awesome. Corey, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Keep up the shows. I love the, I love the mindset talk. Mindset is so important in this. And uh, guys, I'll give Corey a plug. Like he's got the right mindset. If you're thinking about growing your business, Corey does coaching, reach out to him and talk to him, see if he's a fit, but I can attest 100% that that good coaching will accelerate you faster than, than anything else uh, you can do in your business. So there's your shameless plug for Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it, Gene. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoryk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.